Hello and welcome back to Undiscovered. You guys, this feels so good. I have not recorded in two weeks because if you listen to my episode on my major life update, I moved back in with my parents in the suburbs of Chicago. So it's been quite an interesting month and I just pre-recorded a bunch of episodes so that I had episodes ready to go for the podcast and didn't have to worry about it while I was kind of like settling in. I'm just so excited to be speaking into this microphone again because I have so much to tell you guys. I started with a new therapist too and you know, I, not to be Kylie Jenner about it, but I am realizing things, okay? And I know we all thought that was basic, but I think she was fucking brilliant with that because every year is a year of realizing things, okay? And uh, you bet your bottom dollar that the next few episodes are going to be me undiscovering and rediscovering every fucking thing that I am realizing and unrealizing, okay? Okay. So today's special guest is one of my closest friends. Her name is Aparna Brielle, and she is a producer, actor, and actually starred as one of my co-stars. We did meet on set, and it's funny because both of us played Mean Girls, but we really bonded over the fact that both of us sort of felt like outcasts in high school, so it was a fun little part to play for both of us. Quick trigger warning, she does detail emotional and physical abuse that she experienced in her previous relationship, and so if that's a topic that does not feel safe for you right now to listen to, then you don't have to listen to this episode. If you're interested in hearing more or you're confused about your partner and you're seeing red flags and you're not sure if maybe you're being too critical or actually maybe your body and your anxiety is trying to to tell you something, then this episode is for you. I really, really am grateful that Aparna could come on here and share her story with such bravery and honesty because everything that she went through is so much more common than we think. And the number one question that I think a lot of women, including her, get when they leave a toxic or abusive relationship is, why did you stay so long? And to that, I hope this episode helps you understand how easy it is to stay in the wrong relationship and how there shouldn't be any shame for however long it takes you to get out of it. The important part is that she finally listened to herself and she left. Also, just a little tidbit before we get into the episode, there are truly no two girls that are more ADHD than me and Aparna together. Like separately, it's fine. Together, it's just like we are on one. Okay. (laughs) Also, I noticed that when she's talking, I feel the need to say, "Mm -hmm, yes. And like agree, like I'll have such intense reactions a lot of the time that like listening back, I was like, oh my God, that might be so annoying. And I'm probably shooting myself in the foot right now by even telling you guys this, but I just want to let you know I'm working on that because being a podcast interviewer, host, what have you is all new to me. And sometimes I'm like, you can agree in your head, Jamie, because it fucks up the audio when you're having such a strong emotional reaction. And it's great that you are, but like keep it internal. Okay. Without further ado, please enjoy Aparna Brielle. Okay, we're going to start off this episode reading a very important pop culture update from pop culture queen Aparna Brielle on Ariana Grande and SpongeBob SquarePants. Go. (laughs) Okay, 
Ethan Slater's estranged wife breaks silence. Bless Ariana Grande. She's not a girl's girl. Lily J says her family is collateral damage as news broke of her estranged husband, Ethan Slater's budding romance with his wicked co-star, Ariana Grande. Can we take moment, a moment of silence, though? Moment like, of silence for SpongeBob. SpongeBob, yeah. the yeah. actual entity, does not deserve this. <laughs> the musician who shares one son with the SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical star, says she's focusing on raising her and Slater's baby and being a good mom. Ethan is trying to take the high road and hopes he can resolve the situation what is for the, the high sake road? of their child. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. I don't know. I mean, the article goes on to kind of rehash what we know about how they're dating. My whole thing on this too is like, is it because this guy can sing? Because here's the thing. If you've ever been like a musical girly, Mm -hmm. the most objectively unattractive man on that set, like if he is the most attractive of all of the ones in front of you, like your mind will do wild shit to make him attractive. (laughs) Well, no, it's, I mean, to be honest, there are so many things that do make people attractive that are not just physical looks like, like humor. That's a huge one. There are a lot of dudes that in my, life I've been like oh yeah as the public sometimes I feel like we are such minions to media because we will never (laughs) know the full fucking story and it's like when you see someone with the track record of taking the guy before he is fully out of the relationship multiple times over and over again it's hard to want to be in support of that and as somebody who which by the way I don't think I look anything like her right now but as somebody you look like your own person by the way. Right, absolutely. <laughs> but I've gotten that like doppelganger thing in the past. I've definitely played into it because literally somebody telling me I look like Ariana Grande is like you telling me you think I'm as pretty as I wanted to be as my mom when I was younger. I'm like, uh, okay, great. Like, I completely understand. Uh, yeah, yeah, like for also, sure. Also, it's kind of fun to, yeah. like, it's fun to, like if someone, if I looked like anyone, I would play into that sometimes. No. For, for funsies. I'll, I'll <laughs> 1000% own that because it was, I was insecure in college and I wanted people to think I was cute. And like, that's really gross. And I'm, a little bit embarrassed to admit that, but I'll fucking do it for you guys, okay? She's so honest. We love it. No, but I also do think there's something kind of cute to when when you look back on things and enough time has passed where you're like, yeah, I came from an insecure place, yeah. but I can embrace that version of me too. Yes. And I know who she was and it's yeah. okay that I did that. Yeah. It's not like it's not like an inherently harmful thing. I really do believe in, when it comes to confidence anyway, like fake it till you make it. I'll never forget when I moved out to L.A., for some reason in college, I was the most antisocial person in the world. I was super depressed. So mental health is my, <laughs> my favorite thing. You're like, I am fucked up and proud. Just kidding. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? But I do remember when I moved to L.A. and I started making friends and um, like the first parties I went to, I'd like awkwardly sit in the corner. And now I feel like I'm the person at the party that I'll just walk up to people and be like, yeah. hey, what's up? And it doesn't feel like faking it anymore. I really did. I had to fake it for a bit. And I was like, you're just going to do it. It's almost like you're going to work out. You know, you're pushing. You're going to do one yeah. extra rep or a little bit higher of a of a weight. And eventually it just kind of started getting easier. And I've also learned to recognize there are times where I'm just super like disconnected with myself and I'm naturally weird on those like you know socially weird in those times and that's okay too I'm very forgiving of myself now I literally had my friend Alyssa on and she talked about being such an observer and she challenges herself to go to events alone I've been trying to find ways to get out of my comfort zone in that in that respect where I live there's so many cute little restaurants and bars and they're always having a cute little happy hour but I want to feel confident enough just talking to people I also I'm trying to get used to like okay if I'm in my space and someone's getting into it practicing my boundaries it's it's so corny I feel like I'm giving myself homework but no I started bringing a book with me to like happy hours and kind of just taking it all in and no one's really no one bothers you when you have a book so you like will people hit on you if you have a book no No. 
The only... Okay, so if you want to repel men, read a book. Read a book. (laughs) Some people are like, how do you read in this environment? I'm like, I have ADHD. Okay, we're going to go back and we're going to get the whole ass story on Aparna. First thing that we're starting with is one thing that you love the most about yourself and one thing that you are working on the most right now. One thing that I love about myself, I almost said my audacity, the audacity. The audacity. I think it's more just being daring and... The fact that I'm willing to go after things that are hard or Mm. get out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. to grow or change. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've always, whether it's creatively or personally, I just have always been ready to jump to the next challenge and not really be too afraid of it. I mean, afraid, but like still willing to face it. There is a part of me (laughs) that thinks that this is what actors tend to be the best at because Mm -hmm. I think that it is one of the most vulnerable professions and you have to do that. If you ever want to be an actor. I mean, it's very Darwinist and this sounds so morbid. It's very like survival of the fittest in a way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with quitting or anything. I actually know plenty of people who have and they live. They were saying for them, that was them facing their fear of being honest with themselves and knowing that's not what they wanted. So actually, I think it's it's kind of like boot camp, right? When you decide mm-hmm. I'm going to go after creative industry as an actor, musician, model, you know you're going to be facing a lot of rejection. Yeah. And I think eventually it if you choose to grow with it. It can end up being super rewarding, I think. Yeah, and also it's funny because I feel like a lot of the people that tend to do what we do are the most sensitive to rejection. Oh, yeah. But we do. We're like, oh, I hate rejection and emotions. Let me go do it. (laughs) Let me go go get rejected a bunch of times. (laughs) Let me go get rejected and feel my emotions all in one. It's exposure therapy, though. It It is. is. And honestly, the more I have been rejected in my career, the less I've cared, which is huge. That's huge. It's huge. Okay, the one thing that you're working on the most. The one thing that I'm working on. You know, I feel like I am getting closer to this every day, and I know that because of that, my goal will shift. I'm going to shift the goalpost. But self-acceptance every day. Yeah. um, There are days where I know I'm like even at my worst I'm starting to get better at being like you know you're allowed to be a little trash goblin today it's fine <laughs> what does being a trash goblin look like um usually I'm like I, I, I love your wording thank you yeah, it's, it's very internet of me it's so it's so reddit <laughs> of you the other term that I've heard recently to describe my trash goblinness <laughs> has been girl rotting in my girl bed and it's true like you're kind of disconnected you're kind of feeling like exhausted and down and I get super restless when I'm not doing anything but sometimes life is just exhausting and I yeah. just want to be in bed with my cat and not go anywhere and those are the days that I'm hardest on myself I'm starting to get better about being like that's ah, okay I try to remind myself that like to do those things you need to have your you need days. to rest you need to have those days yes. where you're a little trash goblin alone at home in your pile of mess as women we are conditioned by most societies to be people pleasers yes. to be good girls to be elegant and to just always be on all the time you're not allowed to have an off day and if you are you're labeled crazy did you feel that a lot when you were younger yeah I felt and it wasn't even from my parents or anything like that no me neither because I I thought I've talked about that in therapy too where it's like I've had to like adapt when I when I'm reading some of the self-help material and kind of like adapt where some of it comes from because yes, there's cultural things that, you know, are learned, but my parents are so open. In fact, my mom has always been committed to growing and changing to where it's like, if we ever have a conversation about something or I have an experience that she hasn't had, she wants to hear about it. The fact that my Indian parents are like so ahead of it with, pronouns and stuff for people totally. I had a trans friend when I was in college and they were like what what do we we want to be respectful of their experience and I was like what your parents are Amazing. awesome and I've met your mom before and your mom is incredible thank you she's yes. my bestie yeah. but I think for me a lot of it was 
honestly when I started going to school. Me too. I struggled with fitting in. I also ended up going to Catholic school where I really was such an outsider and I was a weird kid, which now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, it's so cute. Like, it's such a fucking nerd. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I actually love her now and I'm like, oh, I wish someone told you it's fine. But what do you think like made you label yourself as the weird kid? Because that's what I would often be called. Or I was, Literally, I was so badly bullied. Like middle school, that's when people are the worst. You're finding yeah. yourself, your hormones are crazy and people are fucking mean and yeah. also it would be like I <laughs> would show up at lunch and sit with a group of girls who I thought were my friends because they had just told me about other girls who had a burn book about me which is wait also there was a real burn book about me this is why when I got the mean girl role on boo bitch I was like oh I'm in on the joke I know what to do <laughs> you know holy shit so you actually ended up later on in life playing the character version of who actually bullied you when you were Oh, I, I drew inspo from every single one. I was one of the very few minorities at this school. And I went from yeah. public school where at least there was like a Latino culture. I, it's when I first got aware of like racism mm -hmm. and cla like classism. Was there a connection between the bullying and then you deciding you wanted to be an actor? I think there's always that need to like prove like, oh, you think I couldn't be all these things I'm going to prove it to you I'm going to prove that I could be more successful blah blah yeah, blah yeah. I think that's always kind of been there for part sure of people are always like what made you want to start acting and I was like well when I was a kid I really wanted to be on the magic school bus and I thought you got put into a machine and turned into a cartoon I that's the part of your brain that's the most important to me <laughs> The other reason I got into acting was I grew up doing performing arts. I was a dancer okay. as a child. And also, so you grew up in Portland, mm -hmm. Oregon, and I grew up in the Midwest. It's not the same as L.A. It's not. Like, every time I meet someone who's from L.A. that's like, oh, yeah, if I want to be an actor, it's normal. I'm like, yeah, because you're in L.A. Even if you're in New York, it's a little bit more normal. Yes. <laughs> we didn't have, like, casting directors at our feet. We didn't see examples of people making, like, a career out of the yeah. theater. It's, like, a very yeah. rare – like, you'd have the outlier, like, that one person that goes sure. on, and then everyone's – they're a local legend, and you're like, oh, that's, like, years ago. But you tell people you want to be an actor, and they go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. I feel like every woman needs to hear this. Okay, say it. Not just women. Every person needs to hear this. Yep. Someone recently was saying, there's a difference between the excited butterflies yeah. and actually having butterflies in your stomach. There's the energy, like, let's say you're going on a first date with someone you kind of have a crush on them and you've kind of been talking for a little while. Mm -hmm. The nerves you might feel are more like, oh my God, he's so cute. I'm having such a fun time. Like, I hope I look cute. Like, it's not, in a, it's not like a gut butterfly thing and when I look back on things my ex I was like oh I felt the butterflies for sure yeah you were like there was a swarm Ooh, of them there was a, oh they were growing in there it was like every little fear I had about ugh, I don't even know and she was like that's actually your body recognizing something traumatizing and she gave an example she goes I have a client she's a therapist she goes I have a client who came from a family of alcoholics and, and drug abusers mm -hmm. and so she was like I'm never going to date an addict mm -hmm. it is too traumatizing for me it's too triggering there's too many patterns that I just can't do it she meets this guy, he's like amazing. And she kept telling her therapist, like I kept having butterflies and I still have butterflies in my stomach, it feels fresh. And her therapist was like, now when you say butterflies, like what is it that you're, how does it manifest? She was like, well, I just like, it's all I can think about all day and blah, 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 blah. Like it's all. Sounds all like addiction. It not only sounds like addiction, it turns out like these these two got serious fast, which is another, <laughs> another thing. Yeah. They get serious fast, it turns out he's a gambling addict. There are, little personality quirks that to mm -hmm. her felt so like home safe right right so safe it just made me realize because I remember the amount of times I'd be nervous just going over to my 
ex's place mm-hmm. because I would be over anticipating getting hyper criticized the moment I arrived, getting belittled. <gasps> and it's crazy because these are all things you know are abusive and hurtful, but it's easier to see it when it's happening to other people. Well, when you're in it too, I think this is the problem. Nobody is all bad. A lot of narcissists are extraordinarily charming. I actually heard a therapist say that as a licensed therapist, it takes her months to diagnose a narcissist. So yes. why put that pressure on yourself to be able to diagnose it right away when even a, a licensed therapist who has studied this can't? All narcissists have like the same reactions to certain things. They're always the victim. They're always the most talented one in the room. Mm. They're always this, always that. But my ex was always like, I'm, I'm always the victim. And it was like that from the Adams family where she's like, I'm the victim. And she's like, all your life. No, I was like, oh, every time my ex would say something, I'd be like, uh-huh, okay. And it took me so long to recognize it because he was, tr- we met at work. Yeah, I was going to say, take us back to, first of all, when did you guys date? Yeah, it was honestly kind of a perfect storm that and le- led yeah. to us being together. It was 2021. We hadn't gotten vaccines just yet, okay. but we were going too soon. Mm-hmm. I had never had a messy girl era. I wanted to kind of get like, I was like, I am so repressed and stuck at home and I'm just like sad and lonely. And he was cute. And also he had a different face on because he's at work mm. and he's dealing also, with all the actors. Did you... In saying that, was there a part of you that felt like, oh, this could be the guy that I have messy girl era with? Sort of. I think at first I was just looking to keep things casual. Okay. Because we were also working together. And generally my rule is don't shit where you eat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, was this the first, was this the first long serious relationship or no? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this was a lot of things. Okay. And in retrospect, I realized how it was a perfect storm. I wasn't seeing my friends all the time. I was, but I wasn't because then we started work and we had to keep a bubble with work. Oh my God. He already had you isolated. Oh yeah. COVID did the hard work for COVID him. COVID did the hard work for him. Mm-hmm. And he acted super nice around coworkers because you have to be nice to the actors. And then we started seeing each other and having fun casually, et cetera. Like, the last month and a half of work. And so by the end, we went exclusive. I started introducing him to new friends and immediately he was not charming. He was very off-putting to a lot of them. When was the first time that you kind of had an idea like this doesn't feel right? I actually got a gut feeling earlier on, but I think it just, I think that the timing of it all really prolonged the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard when you're an anxious person. It's hard to go, is this my gut or is this my head? Because we've also been on the receiving end of people taking their anxiety out on you. Yes. Instead of, so like, I I think a lot of us try to be responsible with our anxiety and go, you know, I'm not going to project my anxiety into another person. Yeah. Which I think you and I got really good at being like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to pretend that I don't have needs at all. Uh, Yeah. And the thing is like, it was constant like devaluation and then a little bit of idealizing and it's like he knew my leveling one of my love languages is physical affection so it's almost like he'd be so shitty and then like snuggle and it would be like I was like so confused all the time yeah every time he would say something nasty or do something nasty would build up it was while I was isolated he would constantly like make me doubt my reality and it started with little things and he'd be like well remember we agreed on this we agreed on this and the way I've had gaslighting broken down, it's not just like, oh, why are you crying? That didn't happen. It's mm-hmm. then taking the additional step of saying, something might be wrong with you. So you're not just invalidating their reality, but you're also making that person question themselves. I had this thought the other day. I think those nervous butterflies are coming from this place where you feel like every time you see them the nerves are coming from feeling the need to perform because you don't want them to leave Mm. or feeling like your performance that day is going to 
determine whether or not the relationship continues. So I grew up dancing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the things that's helped with acting is that I'm actually very directable. You can, like with dance, I could be given a correction and I would know how to make that adjustment right away. And like, so in the next take, I would fix it. In some weird way, like, because I'm so used to doing that for dance or acting, I noticed when I've had to put on a performance, like around my ex, for example, Mm -hmm. or any toxic person for me, really, like they're people in work environments that I've had, et cetera, where it's almost like I would be trying to be a version of myself that fit all of the requirements they had without realizing I got, because it's not immediate. It's Mm -hmm. like the little changes at first. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I first started dating my ex, for example, I had just been working on, I have always, we're always working on ourselves, but like I was at a point where I was like, feeling confident and that was gone by the, by after a while and I was almost waiting for corrections at this point because I knew he was just going to give them to me whether or not I liked it you were waiting for corrections it's so real Ugh. I am very open to feedback from people whose opinions I respect and obviously while I was in a relationship with him especially earlier on I respected what he thought of me I cared about what he thought of me just yeah. like I care about any any person in my life thinks of me to a degree I mean I'm still gonna be me but you know, if my mom has a serious concern about something, I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to be like, okay. He just was so used to giving feedback about everything. Like he yeah. was fine criticizing so Sorry. easily and so quick. And he did it with such a confidence that from the get-go was very like, would call everything out all the time with everyone and everything. So you just immediately assumed that's who he was. And was there a part of you that was like almost attracted to that? Like as like a dominant thing or? I think a little bit, but also because I had seen it within the context of a workplace where he had to be respectful to me and the other actors because he was technically in charge of corralling us and bringing us to set and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. like, and he was the person we'd go to for information. Yeah. And like he worked his way up to this position. So I would see it within the context of someone's not doing their job or someone is doing their job there's a miscommunication on set and him being calling things out and being direct actually helped everyone out Mm. and it didn't seem like it was coming from a place of I have a problem he was speaking for a team the people I know who have dealt with narcissists in the past it's really confusing because in large environments and in front of other people they're actually like they are performative and they're really charming and then you see this like other side of them in private and it's that dichotomy is really confusing it's very jarring narcissism manifests in different ways obviously there's the personality disorder and then there's just the personality type Mm -hmm. that people are often talking about like kind of like extroverts introverts someone who's agreeable someone who's narcissistic yeah but it can be tricky because that's kind of a newer discussion I think yes um but this is I did get this from like one of the leading (laughs) not me personally thank you YouTube she has a channel yeah Shout out Dr. Romani, saved my life. I got to a place of radical acceptance, which is something she talks about yeah. with my ex, where I was like, he's always going to be this way. Now that I'm away from it, I can choose to not, like he can be that way away from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like- okay, talk about, because we're talking about the diagnoses, can you explain the first time you found out about his diagnosis, because it's not just narcissism, it's something a little more complicated. Right, so I- Narcissism is under the umbrella of what he yeah, has. Yeah, this is something that we all kind of struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, the shame of it comes from, we know so much about this stuff. So why? Why didn't we catch so why on? didn't we see yeah. it? and the thing is like there's the love component there's literally the chemicals that go off when you have any kind of attachment with a person there's the gaslighting that mm-hmm. starts in little ways mm-hmm. to where I was with this person for a year and a half when I found out about this it really just slipped out with him because he would say all these snide little nasty things or come into the kitchen and like little pokes yeah but they were like the thing is like the things he would say and do were 
were not even little. They'd be huge, yeah. but he'd say it so quietly. Or he'd come into the kitchen and like I'd be cooking a meal all day. That is a love language that I would, he used to make me breakfast and then he stopped, but he expected me to continue. It's so weird. It's so messed up. So archaic. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is this modern woman trapped in the in No, the- because it's all, we're all, I think that's why Barbie was so influential is yes. it, it, it's just like we're all, we're not out of the woods yet. We're so easily embracing that movie because this is what we've been saying for so long. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it had to be broken down that way for so many people in the public to see it. The fact that there's even any debate that gender roles aren't restrictive in that way. Like mm-hmm. women absolutely can provide for ourselves. And there's such a cultural pressure, which for me, that's a whole other topic. But I think that's so wild because if you look at ancient India women were very respected like sex and everything was actually viewed as something to be respected and revered and and encouraged and embraced wow and when I went to Toronto I was fully isolated with him up there he would make me cry so much I'd be having huge outbursts and his mom who's an enabler who enablers to me are just as bad yeah they enable the abuse and she would be like, you're crying like he's cheating on you. Like, yeah, he's being kind of a controlling dick, but like, I don't think he's che- like, you don't need to be crying this much. <laughs> At this point, like, you know, I, we were out of the country for the most part. And any time that we were in the country was with his family. Just to give context, <laughs> you guys were staying in Toronto together to film. He decides that he's going to actually move in with you and you were literally only around him. So it's like you didn't have a second to breathe. Oh, yeah. And when I did have a second, it was when I was leaving. So I had to fly back to go to work. And I was so excited to like just have the place to myself for a couple Mm -hmm. weeks. And as I'm leaving, he's like crying and begging me to like come back two weeks later. He was like, they are officially starting my dad's chemo. Because his dad was sick. His dad was sick. And, you know, poor guy. I I even like had a, I even had Arnold making the video. Of course he did. By the way, that was, can I say, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like everybody knows him as like their dad's favorite, right? So it's like, that's why I was like, oh, it's Father's Day. That checks out. Yeah. Yeah. And Arnold, Arnold is so kind to do it. Like I do think so highly of him for that because we didn't know each other. And it was Father's Day when we were, we were at a rehearsal on Father's Day. And he was like, I will definitely shoot this video for you. Yeah, because I've been on set with you. And I know that you're such a light on set. And I know that people, (laughs) you're thoughtful. So people want to do thoughtful things for you. And so you think that you're with this person who's going to do thoughtful things for you. So you're like, I'm going to go out of my way for him. And then you were met with this. Right as I'm getting dropped off and I'm, I'm at security and I'm going through, he goes, Baby, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. And I always, every time he starts with that, I just know he's going to say something really like horrible. Really bad, yep. Like he's told me before that maybe the reason that I leave things all over the place is because I'm an actor and I'm used to like people cleaning up after me, whereas any normal person would be fired. By the way, he's talking about when I put my cat down on the floor to unpack the food I cooked for him. I don't eat chicken. I never have in my life. And I learned how to cook up for him and I didn't even have a second. And he went off on me. So that's the kind of stuff he would say. And then he'd be like, I knew you were going to cry. Why Why did I... Right? Not crazy. I I just, I mean, it's so crazy, but it's also like so, I'm so glad we're talking about this shit now. I want people to know like the things that you hear that are little digs. I always say about my anxiety, I have to remind myself to not try to fill in the blanks where I don't know something, but... For Mm -hmm. some people, it's almost like a connect the dots, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're supposed to draw one image, but they know if they can just change a couple of the directions that you're supposed to go, they can make it a whole new image that suits their narrative. I remember as I'm leaving, he's like, you know, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I'm really worried about you. (laughs) Before you got on the plane. And he's tearing up. This Mm -hmm. is this guy. I need like it's like projection on fire it was insane and I was like what do you mean like what's going on he's like I think you know your mood swings are just so it's so much like we can't even I keep asking you because you haven't been in a long-term relationship before to trust me to guide us through arguments 
And so I go, well, what were you worried I was going to take the wrong way? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I think you might have bipolar. What did you do when he said that? I, you know, people always talk about fight or flight, but I went into freeze. And yeah. there have been times where I fawned because I was just alone with this person who's bigger than me. And okay, like, explain raging. You're, you're almost like pleading and trying to like, you know, soothe them a little bit to get them to calm down. You are comforting the person who hurt you. Which right? I did many times in our relationship. Yeah, me too. I would have no, to fawn a lot because, you know, they get so ragey and then they start crying that they're broken and the world's against them. So you kind of have to like, you're like, okay, you're being really nasty to me, but maybe if I can just make you feel a little better, mm-hmm. you'll calm down and then I can go rest. And oh. you don't realize that you're being their mom. So... I was just frozen because I was like, I had to get into the security line and I was like, what are you talking about? I, I've been working on myself so much. And I'm the same way. We're like, why does it feel like we are being selfish or narcissistic if we don't listen to their criticism of ourselves? Like I think about you talked about with your old roommate yeah. or, um, or even with your ex or people you've worked with, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever question something that they say, it becomes such a flash fire argument. Mm-hmm. It's such a, how could you possibly, you have to see how your actions are coming off. You have to see what you're, when the reality is, no, you're saying something that's hurtful to me. I'm upset and I'm crying. I'm allowed to be upset. My reaction shouldn't be policed. Your actions should be policed. Mm-hmm. And it was so strange because I was having two thoughts at the same time about it. One of them, I was consciously like, what a, what a fucking stereotype. Did this guy just ask me, a woman, or mm-hmm. tell me that I'm bipolar mm-hmm. because I had a mood swing? I was so flabbergasted that he had the audacity. I can't word anymore. No, you're good. The audacity to tell me that I had bipolar. And then he goes, my mom even thinks so. I was like, okay, great. And then they were like, you really need to go through security right now. And I was like, okay. And then I was walking through and I called my mom and I was like, I think I'm going to like ask my doctor what is going on. Cause I thought that something's not right here. Like, you know, they might be like, yeah, your partner's being controlling your partners, you know, something's not, I wanted some written proof. Cause it almost felt like anytime I would say something that was my truth, it'd be invalidated. You know what well, I'm yeah, saying? He did not give you the space to think for yourself at all. It mm-hmm. was, I think this is true for you, which by the way, I know you guys are probably confused because I asked Aparna to tell me about, oh, the, comes up. Yeah. about the time <laughs> that um, she found out about his diagnosis and all we've heard thus far is about Aparna's potential diagnosis. So about take my, it away. About my not bipolar. Yeah. So I, t- I asked my doctor, I was like, I feel like I'm going crazy now because I'm being told that I may have like my mood swings are almost like bipolar. The doctor was like, you that is crazy. If you really need it in writing for whatever, I didn't say for what. I was like, I'm going to come back and tell him like point blank. You can't be diagnosing me like what are you upset about me crying? Mm -hmm. I get there the day I get there. We get into a fight immediately Mm -hmm. and I tell him it sounds to me like. For you, the issue is having any kind of emotional outburst in your eyes in inappropriate places that's how he words it. he goes yeah and I go the only thing I can think of that's close to that would be borderline but I don't have that. he goes no I had I had BPD this is how I find out about it while he's screaming at me he pauses he's and his version of screaming his voice is still quiet but it's the whole physique the no intensity. I know what you mean this is when my always tell me he never yelled at me and I was like no but you did but I remember like I was like oh my ex would not ever like yell but that one final time it was fuck you i'm fucking done with you it was very it was this Mm. pointed sharp i was like when he yelled get out at me he was like get out yeah i'm fucking done get out he said the same thing because the favorite person thing oh god. so and this is something where it's like he told me he has bpd his the personality type like his tendencies that he leans on, I would say, would be like he's narcissistic. Yeah. So so bipolar disorder is different than borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Borderline, I think, don't you have to develop at some point be, before the age of like five or six? It's like usually results from extreme childhood trauma. 
That's the thing. And especially if it's untreated and especially mm-hmm. if it's not medicated, will always be an emotionally abusive relationship. Yeah. How did you walk away from that argument? I, I fully went speechless. Like I lost my ability to speak Well, a point. year and a half, all of a sudden he tells you he has borderline personality disorder and every single thing you've experienced up until this point probably starts to make sense. A, so much made sense. And I felt every feeling at once. I had to keep saying I'm sorry until he finally was like, fine, it's fine. I forgive it. I'm just gonna go to sleep. I'm just so exhausted. So you, you apologized to him after that? I think all I, I don't remember if it, I'm just saying regularly in arguments with him, it would end that way. I vaguely <laughs> remember because we got into like, I was there for what, five days and we argued every single day multiple times. Yeah. And I also, don't know. not a reflection on you. This is just, this is textbook of in order to get him to stop arguing, you had to apologize for whatever he oh, thought no, you did. Oh no, I understand. Yeah. I, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't remember exactly what, how it ended. I think at one point, like, I think I went to the bathroom at one point because that's the only place I could get away, you know? Yeah. I just kind of felt like really shaken up because I was like, okay, he has trauma, but he is using it to excuse and justify every single thing he does. Mm-hmm. He lies all the time. And I have been getting gaslit. And that kind of confirmed it for me because it was so casual the way he threw it out. He did not even care. He didn't have any of the same tears or I'm really worried, you know, you might have bipolar or whatever that he said two weeks before. It's one of those things we were kind of talking about this and like the, all the feelings of confusion, shame, guilt. Everybody has to remember like it's okay if you didn't put 100% of it together before. It's okay if you saw some red flags and like mm-hmm. We're like, maybe that's more of a pink or an orange flag. Like Mm -hmm. you can't quite tell because everybody has their own. If you're someone who's dedicated to always working on growing, most of the time like attracts like, I can honestly say all my friends in my life at this point are all people who try to grow as well. So I assume that the other person that is choosing to make me their partner is doing the same. But I realized pretty quickly our arguments were not us as a team solving something together. It was very much like I would be saying, you're not viewing this as a team. And he would be going, you're my enemy. I, for some reason, and it's not, it's very covert. Again, it's like this person is so good at faking what empathy looks like, but I don't feel the same way that you don't feel something from a photo, right? You're looking at it and you're like, I don't know why, but something's off. And then you look at this person, they're behaving a certain way and you're like, I don't know why, but this doesn't feel real. It's like, um, I think the term that we use for like AI generated people, for example, is uncanny valley where something looks almost correct, but something is so off that it's not human. And um, yeah, sorry. Bear with me. No, no, it's true. I was. I'm only laughing because I'm like, it's not human. But, <laughs> but no, it's true. And I think the thing is, like, I do see empathy as a spectrum. And I think there are people who, yeah, there are people who have like the beginnings of like they have basic empathy, but they may not be able to really understand certain things. And so, like, you can you can teach people how to like open their perspectives more if they already have that base level. But you can always tell when something is genuine and authentic. When you're wearing the rose tinted glasses, it's really hard to see red yeah. flags. You can't see them through. The, you have to take it off to be able to see red. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. If I'm being honest with myself, deep down, I was like, oh, here's someone with whom I have chemistry and I mean physical chemistry. I don't know, and I thought that we had like a friendly chemistry at work. So I thought, you know, I can try it out here and see how, how I feel. I will tell you it's what's crazy though. People often say they have a sixth sense about things. As things got serious with my ex, I had a gut feeling that this wasn't going to be my person and that it wasn't going to last. But I didn't, you know, you don't want to go into things like hoping for the worst. So I kind of set it aside. But I had a feeling I was like, this person is going to be a significant relationship in my life. I can tell. I think there's going to be a lot of passion part of me worries which way that passion is going to fall 
I actually had that. And I also knew I was like, I think if I'm being honest with myself, I don't know if he's going to be it, but I have to be open to the experience and try. As we were getting closer to the end of our relationship, which frankly, at this point, I had known was happening. We had just gotten back from Toronto and I was starting to recognize that there was some physical abuse. <laughs> there was? He broke, well, we talked about how he like broke his hand getting angry at me. He, he first was so nasty to me that whole week. We had TIFF going on. Toronto International Film Festival and I had never gotten and I waited 15 years to go to that I went to Toronto as a 15 year old and I was like when I come back here I'm gonna be an actress and I'm gonna just go and enjoy movies mm -hmm. as an actress and the first day I think I just wore a dress like mm -hmm. a summer dress and he was so angry and he was like am I not allowed to be pissed that other guys are looking at you? he was like yes because you're affecting me so the next day I wear, he was like, I thought this was just going to be a you and me thing. I was like, when have I not dressed up to go out anywhere with you? I like dressing up oh. for me. It makes me feel good. The next day I wear sweats, I get recognized. And he was like, it was cute how those Indian girls were like, oh, she's Indian. So we're going to take it. And I was like, he started minimizing it to make it just, you know, whatever. Yeah. So just to put you in your place and be like, hey, you're not actually that important. It's just because you're Indian. So, yeah. wow. And, and then like the third day, what, we were supposed to go to the Fablemans. Well, um, first of all, go back to, did he punch a wall? Oh, or? this is where, where Okay, happened. okay. So we were supposed to go to the Fablemans on the last, and here's the thing. The TIFF tickets, a whole other story, ended up with me and, of course, buying them for both of us. Mm -hmm. um, I told him I had a surprise for him. It was a tiki mug, and he came out when he saw the Venmo request and was like, so I thought when you said surprise, you meant this. So the financial abuse was real as well. Oh, I had, there was so much of it to where, I've been doing my year in taxes for last year. I'm still figuring out for my accounts because some things I spent money on, I was so, I'd get screamed at until it really happened. And then when I'd finally react, reactive abuse, right? Yeah. When I'd finally react, he'd be like, you're an abuser. I think I have to leave. <gasps> oh, dude. When I first. When I cry and scream, he'd be like, when I finally cried because he wasn't listening. Yes. You're an abuser. You're being manipulative with your, with your tears. <laughs> You're being manipulated. Oh, my God. So yeah. He, he was textbook. This guy. No. And the funniest thing is he'd be like, you know, I like to talk about things in a deeper fashion because I prefer more like, like deep takes on things. So why do you talk to me about surface level shit? And I'd be like, OK. And then when I got out of the relationship and my therapist and I were like talking about how he's a covert narcissist, I was like, it's sad because he thinks he's so unique, but he's just a textbook narcissist. Yeah. Like, it's just sad. Which is every oh, single narcissist. Every single yeah. one. They all think they're so special mm -hmm. and they're all just traumatized babies who are still babies as adults. Yeah. And I think it's also because the actual fear underlying it is that they are not special. And so they show up in the world trying to make sure that every single person who knows them knows that they are the most special person on the planet because there's such a fear that they're not. And it's the distinction between someone who's confident in themselves and is truly so secure in themselves is yeah. not going to put other people down around them to make themselves look good. So this last day, he's already like bitching and moaning. I hadn't even changed yet about going to this movie thing. I was like, you need to take a step back and see my situation. I have been working every single day till 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then I wake up early because you're up and you wake me up. Sleep deprivation and arguing with you when you wake up, by the way, that's a form of physical abuse. Yeah. If you're sleep deprived and someone's arguing with you the moment you wake up, you are too tired to understand what's happening. How the fuck did he have a bone to pick every single morning? That's what I'm saying. I finally, had, I, I kept telling him, stop criticizing so much. It's too much. I can't do it. I was like, I've been working. Uh, I'm only able to go to three screenings. I, we've been talking about this for months. I'm excited for today. And here you are in a mood. You're ruining the one chance I have to actually go enjoy this. Like, I thought this was something we're doing together and you're making it all about you. And then he cried and he was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about how you didn't even get to go all week. And I was like, 
I bought your ticket because you played so many weird mind games and you're not even letting me enjoy this. Mm -hmm. So I said, you're going to see something really amazing given how upset I am. Mm -hmm. I'm go calm down. I'm going to go change. And then let's go have an amazing date. Let's mm -hmm. just go. And so I went and changed. This, by the way, this guy is also the same dude who for forever was like, why won't you wear more mini skirts? You, you have such great legs. And I was like, because I just had a feeling he was going to start shaming my clothes at one point to be controlling. And I was right. Ugh. Wow. The things you recognize. And yeah. in Toronto, I was just stuck with him. So I couldn't really like leave. Well, also, weren't you, did you, were you filming when COVID restrictions were still in place for shooting? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so it, for those who don't know, I think those were just lifted. But if you were on set with COVID restrictions, you had to be so uptight. About I had where to you be were. super careful. Plus his dad had cancer at the time. I will say I did quite a bit to support them both. Mm -hmm. I missed our premiere to go stay with his dad. I thought he was going through chemo. He wasn't yet. Um, I missed being with my mom during surgery because my ex would get, was so pissed that I even thought about going somewhere else instead of going to stay with him. Like this guy was awful. He just didn't want you to go to your premiere because that was going to be a big moment for you. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And so on this day, I go and change and I had just bought this really cute mini skirt and I got these amazing Stuart. Weitzman boots and I had this like cute little outfit and cute little coat I felt like so chic and I walk out and I was like so what do you think and I swear to god this man looked on the one hand he was like yeah I'm into it but on the other hand he looked so disgusted and he called me a prostitute and I for was wearing a mini skirt for wearing a and I was like also I looked in the mirror and I was like okay nothing about this looks like a hooker and he actually used the word prostitute and I was like first of all and he, he then called me a hooker after this the same thing but it was so just more derogatory you walk out you're like what do you think babe he goes you look like a prostitute yeah and I also he knows this about he knew this about me and I would tell him like when I'm on my period or close to it I feel extra self-conscious so I do take extra time and I'd been working all week I felt like crap all week because he was just putting me through it and I hadn't slept so my eyes were so <laughs> dark also I can tell even by you feeling like you had to preface that to him like hey I'm on my he period understand he would be like why do you have to spend so much he's like I just blows my mind that someone is pretty as you I was like it's not about that these things make me feel it's like self-care yeah that's so demeaning it's like I, it would be like when guys are like oh, I think you look so much prettier naturally and it's like I'm not doing it for you I'm not fucking <laughs> doing it for you I'm literally putting on makeup for myself and you're if I as long as I'm timing it and we're showing up to the event on time what the fuck is it to you that I'm doing something for me? It was so messed up. And it was the way he said it. Like, he couldn't stand the fact that I had calmed down and I came out looking happy. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I'm happy with how I look. And I think we're going to have a good day. And I come out and he just couldn't stand it. Mm -hmm. So he put me down. And the thing is, I think he thought it would be one of those put downs where it's like, oh, she's going to be upset, but she's going to bite it and like deal with it. Because that's what you had been doing. And instead, I just like, because the day before, he also left me on the road to get in my own Uber because he was being nasty to me in public. And I was like, why are you being so mean? Like, you're so invalidating. And he got so upset and he walked off. It was a whole thing. Well, yeah, because when you react to anything that they do or you have any sort of emotions about the way they're treating you, then you become the abuser. I think the thing that got him the most, and I saw there's this gentleman on like every social media, his account's called Mental Healness. It's this black gentleman and mm -hmm. he's like um one of the very few self-aware narcissists that's been diagnosed whoa and he actually talks about it. he was like and his whole story is fascinating like you have to watch his channel okay but what I loved about it I found it at the right time it was so validating for me because he was like just so you know I'm telling you as someone who's done all these things and mm -hmm. I am in therapy and I have to hold myself accountable I've got a kid and that's why I'm, I'm as a self-aware person like I am trying to work on myself wow they know what they're doing the one feeling that they can't handle is shame and yeah. the thing that my ex could not handle in that moment when he said that to me, yes. I didn't just look sad and I didn't just start crying, but I looked at him with such a disappointment because in that moment I knew I was like, I knew the day that he landed in Toronto, 
that he wasn't the one. But at that point, mm -hmm. I was like, I can't be with him anymore. And mm -hmm. I felt scared, genuinely scared. Mm -hmm. And I went and closed the door. And I thought he was talking to my cat because he would do this weird manipulative thing where he'd be like, I'm so sorry, Oscar. You have to see us fighting and see your mom. Like, And I was like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I hear a rattle on the door. I come out in my sweats and I was like, and I just, I didn't come out right away. I was like, fuck you. Like, I'm not going to. Like, I'm going to calm down first. I'm mm -hmm. going to take my space, whether or not you give it to me. I step out, and he's holding his hand like this. He punched the door to the room, to my closet that I walked into out of anger, forgetting that this door was so heavy, we both had to pick it up together to fix it before. Oh. He broke his hand. And then he got upset with me for not being compassionate towards him when <gasps> I was more than kind and taking him to the hospital. But I was pissed. I was just quiet. Because I had sliced my finger open the month before, and he was like, I was so nice to you at the hospital. I was like, that was an accident. You just tried to intimidate me. When is my face next? Holy shit. Yeah. First of all, I remember actually the one night we went back to where my ex was from to visit his mom, which was mm. a huge source of all of the trauma. I mean, it, it always starts in childhood. And I will say, the things that, that she had done to him when he was a kid from what I've heard are not okay. And I understand this is the problem when you're an empathetic person. I understand why you are the way you are. However, it's not an excuse to treat other people like shit. Okay. Yes. However, when we went back there, all of a sudden the smallest little inconvenience would happen and the reaction from him. Huge. 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 It's worse yes. when you're in the familial home. Oh my God. My um, ex's mom would outright, we would hang out on the balcony with the cats. They have four, which that was the best part about it. But we would hang out with the cast and she would be like going through all of his red flags and be like, but you know, you kind of got, just got to let it roll off your shoulder. I mean, I made him that way. I was never home. I was partying all night. So then when <gasps> I was home, I would just give him whatever he wanted and, you know, like hope for the best. And I was like, you made a monster. You also have no shame about it. It sounds like. She has none. Girl, what? I'm sorry. You just said, hey, I fucked my son up for you, but you deal with it now because I didn't want to deal with it then and I still don't want to deal with it now. Oh, yeah. No, it's. Yeah. And the thing is, what I realized is we all have trauma. Every person has trauma. Every person. Um, My favorite thing to quote, though, is like from Brooklyn Nine-Nine when Jake Peralta is like, cool motive, still murder. And I also realized since then I have met some wonderful men that I have spent yes. time with. And I realized my body felt completely safe around them even before my ex when I would end up dating or casually hanging out with a guy who was toxic I would feel the butterflies yeah growth one of my friends said it best when I finally realized I had to end my relationship I mean I knew the time had finally come I got back to LA I honestly was living in a haze for a year mm -hmm. um I got back to LA I moved into my own place he didn't help me at all he went out of town for a month and I realized I was happy I had my family come to visit me and I was like, oh, I actually don't mind having people in my space. Dude, I did the same fucking thing. And then I started opening up to them. And then one day, finally, like he was screaming at me on the phone because I, I said, I don't want you moving in unless you have a job. You need to be on the lease. Like not because I ever had a problem with how much he made, but because I had a problem with being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And he was screaming at me on the phone. Like, how could you do this? How could you not trust me? Like, you know, I get, um, this is how I realized I've never been emotionally overreacting, even when I was having full bone like panic attacks on him. Well, first of all, any person like this is going to make your basic needs and emotions feel crazy. Everything feels so heightened yes. at all times. I realized like my mom had no idea that he was screaming at me on the other end because I was so calmly going, okay, I totally understand what you're trying to say. I see where you're coming from. Do you understand where I'm coming from with this? Like in my family, like this is how things are. So for mm -hmm. me, I need to find a way for us to meet. He couldn't take it. My mom was like, we're getting late for our walk. And I was like, mom, one minute. Finally, I put him on speaker. 
I just had, he, I, I can't remember what he said, but he started going off on me and I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I put him on speaker. The way I saw my mom's face change so rapidly and she already didn't like him from the way he was talking to me mm-hmm. the last time she saw him. But at this point when I hung up, she was like, please tell me you're not going to be with him. And I was like, I decided to put him on speaker because in that moment I realized I'm ending this. And that night I looked up every single thing he did and I realized that 38 out of 39 signs of emotional abuse were there. That night, I was up all night so I didn't get a lick of sleep because I, I couldn't stop panicking about it. That night I had a couple of friends over and one of them was like, how is he? Like, where is he at? And then it just bubbled out and one of them... She texted me later and she was so helpful to me through the, like she helped me get away, Mm -hmm. helped me feel validated even in the moments where I was like, should I stay? Like, I feel so scared leaving. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? And she was like, regardless of what the reason is, the moment someone starts getting, like breaks their hand on the door, it's so tough on your nerves because you naturally, no matter what it's about, you're going to wonder if you're next. For me, my big fear was falling in love and getting my heart broken. I think that's also why I felt strong enough to finally face that fear. As far as dating now, like I realized it's not, I don't have that pressure anymore. So now I'm very fine, like knowing if someone doesn't feel right to me, I'm okay with not, you know, like seeing them. I'm okay with like seeing where my chemistry is with whomever, but I would much rather stay single than be with anyone that makes me feel small in any capacity. If someone is genuinely building me up, if someone genuinely like the little things that they notice that make them excited about me, like those little things, just like my friends or any loved one, like if someone has that, then I'm going to want to spend more time with them. And then like, you know, if that leads to something great, but if not, I'm so content now with myself. I'm still, there's days where it's down, but like. Like I, everybody. Like everybody. It's not going to be linear. It's not perfect. But I think now it's like, I actually weirdly said this before when I met my ex mm-hmm. and I told him what I was looking for, but I really mean it now, which is that my life is really fucking awesome. I felt this. My life is really fucking awesome. It's not been easy to get here, but damn, do I, like, I love every day, even on my hardest days, I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful. Like, I could, the, the fact that I get to say I do what I do for a living is insane. Yeah. And I have, like, the best little kitty and my my apartment's condo, whatever, is great. So, so for me, and, like, my friendships are great. The adventures I get to go on are amazing. And so for me, it's like, if I have a partner, I want him to add to that. Right. I don't want him to be taking me away from all these things that I love. You don't want him filling a void? <laughs> trying to use me to fill his void. I mean, really, like, the thing is, like... That's the thing. You never needed him to fill a void. No, he needed me to fill a void. Remember when I got back to L.A. and I was like, damn, even this little Halloween get-together with, like, a few cocktails is so much more fun than anything I did with my ex for months. And then I was like, yep, I'm out. Like, it's not... Done. Working for me. Okay, give us your... Two of your favorite beige flags. Have you heard of beige flags? The beige flags are the weird things you do that there's green flags, good things, red flags, which is this entire episode. Give me your beige flags, which are what are the weird, quirky things you do that are just in the middle? <laughs> they're a little bit like, mm, they're a little odd, but you could live with them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I have some very annoying songs about my cat. Like... <laughs> Do I do one now? Yeah, I think it's time. Oscar Beanie, Beanie Bean, my Oscar <laughs> Kitty, Beanie Bean, my Oscar Kitty, Hunna Bean, the cutest Oscar Bun the Bean. Like, I literally do this on repeat. Oh I'm not God. joking. And it's cute at first. And then, like, I remember when my mom was visiting after an hour, she was like, a part of stop. 
oh, but no, stop. And I was like, Oscar baby, baby. <laughs> Dude, wait, I literally, every single morning with Lulu, this is such a big I Lulu wakes up. Lulu has no respect for me or my space. She jumps on the bed. She jumps on my face and then she jumps on my body and then she like jumps off the bed because she's trying to show me how to get out of bed as if I don't know. And um, Oscar does the same thing. Yeah. He's like, yeah. mean me. Yeah. <laughs> And every single morning I'll be like, smooth, no, not yet. <laughs> my ex, um, I would walk in through the door um, after work and my ex wouldn't come up to the door. He'd be in the room. So I'd come say hi to him. But Oscar, like any loving pet, would run up to me and be like, Mer! and so I'd pick him up and be like, you're not seriously giving Oscar a kiss first. And I was like, what do you want me to do? Ignore him. He's a cat. He's not going to know. Okay. So. We're, we just, we're going to, we're going to sign off there we're because off that's. But on that note, um, yeah, you must love, you must worship the kitty bean. The kitty yeah. bean. You must worship Lulu Bean as well. Yeah. So if you're in a toxic relationship, <laughs> this is your sign to just listen to your gut and get the fuck out. Life is too short. You literally have one life. What's the point of living the rest of your one life with this person that makes you feel like shit? Spoiler alert, there is no point. Get out. I love you so much. Bye.